0: Wednesday, April 11, 2018, this is Born to Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. For those of you that missed the episode on Monday, the benefits breakdown, we highlighted the smoking quit line put on by Public Health here at VA. The quit line is a uh, phone number that you can call to help develop a quit plan to talk to a counselor. To get strategies to prevent relapse and to set up follow up calls so that way you can help stay quit on all tobacco products, both smoking and non smoking. And as a former smoker, I can tell you there's nothing better than some sort of help, some sort of encouragement. Uh, When you're trying to do it on your own, sometimes it can. the the cravings get a little easier to fall into the lack of a, a support system makes it easier to make excuses on why ha- why having one more one cigarette this time is okay but uh, when you have people checking in on you it's a little better a little easier you're up for the challenge so 1855 quit vet is the number to call today's feature interview is with Marine Corps veteran Rob Jones if that name sounds familiar familiar You may remember him as being the gentleman that ran 31 marathons in 31 days. Absolutely amazing. Started his venture in London, of all places, and then flew back across the pond and traveled around the United States running marathons in separate separate states and ending his journey in Washington, D.C. I remember seeing him run up to the Lincoln Memorial to finish his journey. It was pretty cool. He's gonna to talk to us about his time in the military, recovering from his injury, making the plan to run these marathons and what might be coming up next for him.
1: Enjoy. My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more.
0: Very well, Rob Jones. Then, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is Born the Battle. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about your your uh, service in the Marine Corps, the the thirty one marathons you recently ran, and in uh, your the, the next ventures you have coming up ahead of you. Uh, but Rob, we start these interviews with, uh, with the one thing that all of us veterans have in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Uh, bring us back to that day for you.
1: Um. I'd just been convicted of a crime, and they said I had to join the Marine Corps or go to jail. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I didn't respond <laughs> because you're like the third or fourth person to lead with that, and I know one of these days really? it's going right, Well, but but they're always joking, right? And each time it's a joke of like, oh, it was jail or the Marine Corps. One of these days, though, I know oh, it's going to be real, and I don't want to start laughing— <laughs>
1: It's the real
0: situation, so
1: Oh man. Yeah. You'll have to cut that out because I don't wanna be seen as being unoriginal. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, uh in truth I was in my junior year at Virginia Tech and I was just at a point I just I just realized I wasn't cut out for computer science, which was my major was, and I was just trying to think of yeah, I felt like something was missing from my life, and I didn't know what that was. Uh, but you know, just something just didn't feel right. And a buddy of mine had just joined the Marine Corps the year before, and so I decided to check out what that was all about. What's the Marine Corps all about? I don't even know. And so I uh, I bought the or I rented the book from the library, uh, Brotherhood of Heroes about the Battle of Peleliu. And I read it, and just reading those stories and what those guys did and uh, what they were able to accomplish and the, the characteristics that they embodied uh, really struck a chord with me. And I think I went to the recruiting office probably the next day or a couple of days after reading that book, finishing that book, and uh, the Marine Corps recruiter wasn't there, and the Air Force recruiter tried to lure me into his office, but... I was set on the Marine Corps.
0: Tell me about a um tell me about a close friend or a great leader that you had while you were in the Marine Corps. You you can choose either one, but uh uh tell me about that person.
1: Um man, I mean I had so many friends and I think I would have to select uh then Captain Cohen, but now Major Ryan Cohen, uh, and he was the. So I was a, a combat engineer attachment to Kilo Company Three Seven, and he was the company commander. He come he came in kind of right before the deployment started. Uh, he in order to replace another guy that wasn't going to go anymore, and he's just the embodiment of. A Marine, what a Marine Corps leader should be. And, uh, you know, knows what he's talking about. He's competent, uh, knows his tactics, knows his strategy, can see the, the big picture. Um, and then, you know, you adjust accordingly, always looking out for the enlisted man, uh, and the, the, the guys he's in charge of. Uh, but at the same time, he's not, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Uh, he was out there, with the guys, you know, every step of the way, uh, trying to get in, into the fight as much as he could, uh, as a, as a company commander. And then now even at, at the, on the home front now, he's in the school, uh, he's in school, uh, here in Quantico and, you know, he's always having his fellow classmates over, uh, for get togethers and establishing and, uh, fostering that camaraderie and that's just what he's all about. He's always, every time we get together pretty frequently, and every time we get together, he's always, you know, trying to pay for everything for me and, you know, uh, just help me out however however he can and uh, always looking out for me, like uh, getting me spots at events that he's going to or trying to get me speaking engagements and that kind of stuff. And so uh, he's just always – acting selflessly and so I uh, yeah I'd have to go with him.
0: Very well. Uh now you know the, the, the name of the program is Born the Battle and uh not every not every veteran uh sees literal combat but you you in fact were uh were were injured uh, during your service and, and you can you can choose to tell that story. You could choose to tell a different moment of, of challenge or adversity, but uh tell us about an experience that you had where you had to uh face some sort of adversity and how you dealt with it.
1: Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's, I'd, I'd say the the most illustrative experience would probably be being wounded. Uh, I was a combat engineer, like I said, and job was to find IEDs. And you know, sadly, on my deployment in Afghanistan, an IED found me before I found it. You know, that resulted in double above knee amputations. And you know, it's it's been. People ask me, you know, am I? how long was I in recovery for, but you know, it's still kind of, it's it's kind of an ongoing thing. Yeah. So I don't want to, uh, I don't know that I should go over the entire last seven years, you know, cause it's been, you know, <laughs> uh, the whole last seven years have yeah. been overcoming that same challenge or dealing with that challenge. But really what it is, is just acknowledging uh, early on for me that my mission was still the same. If I really broke it down to the, the base level. And that was, you know, I wanted to have a enjoyable life, uh, and a purposeful life. And so just because I was a double above knee amputee, that didn't, you know, that didn't change the fact that I wanted those two things. Uh, the only thing it really changed was just how I was going to accomplish those things. So I just needed to find my new way that I was going to accomplish my new path that I was going to take, uh, towards those goals. And, You know, a lot of that involved some luck uh, and a lot of taking opportunities uh, when they were presented to me and then chasing them up. And, you know, so that's why I was able to, and, you know, just trying to create opportunities for myself as well. And so, you know, that's how I got involved in the Paralympics. And then when I did the Paralympics, that kind of carried over into my other sporting endeavors and that kind of snowballed and kept snowballing.
0: Yeah. How did you get, how did you get introduced to adaptive sports?
1: I kind of introduced myself um, I was in the hospital bed the first couple weeks, and you know I knew i i was I didn't want to have to let go of working out in the gym or you know trying of exploring what I was capable of and and using physical effort um, as the flashlight, so to speak, and so I was just looking up different sports for disabled people. I don't know why or how I found the Paralympics, but uh somehow I found the Paralympics and I started researching what sports were in the Paralympics and I saw that rowing was in the Paralympics and I knew that from my previous experience on the rowing machine that rowing was very tough to do and it was a great workout. And you know, it just kind of so happened that there was a a boathouse in Anacostia in DC that I could go to and learn how to do uh para rowing. And so I decided to you know once I was kind of strong and healthy enough, I decided to go out there and give it a whirl and I mean uh took to it naturally, enjoyed it, found myself a rowing partner, and you know we were off to the races, we both decided we were going to try and make it to the Paralympics
0: yeah now you were um you were injured in two thousand and ten is that right
1: yeah, July of two thousand
0: ten yeah so then so then you know how how long until you are like, you know, healthy enough to be able to go train like that?
1: Um, I probably could have trained, started training, you know, after maybe two, three months, but it was also winter time. So, Mm. um, they don't really go out on the wind on the water in the winter time. And so I had to wait until spring. Uh, but you know, I probably could have as early as January. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was kind of, I was also kind of focusing on, it, it was just at the time, it was just something I was ex- experimenting with. It's just something I wanted to explore and uh, with the possibility in the back of my head of going to the Paralympics. So I wasn't in a big hurry to get over there. And, you know, I kind of had a lot on my plate with, you know, relearning how to walk and everything. So, uh, uh it wasn't in a huge hurry, Right. but eventually, you know, after that first, after this, once I got to the spring, I kind of decided, you know, it was about time.
0: Uh, and then you also um, you also trained for the sport of triathlon. Uh, what what other sports have you have you delved into? Uh,
1: so yeah, just those are pretty much the only two that I guess you could call sports. I mean, I did cycling, I did running. Um, well, those are some you know those are almost kind of hobbies. Uh, but you know the the only thing I've really done races in was uh and competed in was uh rowing and triathlon.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um so many people probably recognize your your name uh from a month of marathons that you ran uh, back in October, November of 2017, um, I believe I even saw you, uh, I was wandering around on the National Mall on Veterans Day covering the events down there, and I, I saw your, your group, uh, celebrating at, at, at the Lincoln Memorial, um, as I was walking by, which was, uh, which was cool to see. Uh, tell me, like, what, what was the, and I, I know you've answered these questions a handful of times, but for the audience, for, for the members of the audience that are, that are less familiar, like what was what was your inspiration on doing that? What you know, why a month? Why marathons? What what, what brought you to that?
1: Uh, well, the the reason I decided to do a challenge to begin with, uh, uh, my first one was actually my bike ride across the country, and the reason I did that, and then all and then followed it up with the marathons was because I was trying to get a just trying to create a narrative um, about a veteran that went overseas and had a traumatic experience and came back and, and thrived afterwards. Um, so I, and I wanted to create that because I wasn't seeing a whole lot of narratives like that, that were getting out there in the kind of the mainstream media, uh, or the main, just the mainstream, you know, of, of people, just people's getting in front of people's faces. Um, and so I wanted to create that narrative and, so that if a veteran saw it, they would be able to, you know, kind of use my example uh, as a motivation for themselves or just to, to see what was possible. To so see that it was possible to, you know, be traumatized and then and get stronger from it. Um, but I also wanted the civilians to see that, too, so, so they have a better understanding of, you know, what life is like as a as a wounded veteran, what their capabilities are. And that, you know, not every veteran that comes home is, you know, a basket case, like they try and tell you in the movies. And so when I was trying to think of my marathon challenge, um, I had just failed to make the Paralympics again in triathlon. So, uh, but I, I'd learned, you know, every, every failure has a, has a lesson associated with it. So I, I learned that I was pretty decent at running. And, you know, I'd done a couple of marathons, uh, over the course of the time I was training for a triathlon. And so I figured maybe I could do something with, with marathons because a lot of people identify the marathon as a bucket list item and a tough, tough event. And so I knew that if people saw a double above the amputee running one marathon, they'd be very impressed and it would, it would add a lot of evidence to you know, my assertions about wounded veterans or just veterans in general. And, but I wanted to take it to the next level. I want to take it just totally blow people's minds and just add, you know, insurmountable evidence. So I decided to do a bunch of back-to-back marathons just kind of feeding off the same, uh, same format that I'd seen other people do, uh, previously where, you know, people did like 50 marathons in 50 days and 50 states and that kind of thing. So, i uh i kind of took that and put my own spin on it by doing a full month uh, i figured that would be a good i figured that would be a good amount of a length of time where it would it would gain some momentum um but at the same time it wouldn't last too long where where people would kind of get uh kind of start to lose interest so i figured a month would be uh a good amount of time.
0: Yeah. So, and yeah. Yeah. So you you started on October twelfth in London. I I think that's interesting. Why Why'd you choose to start in London?
1: I chose to start in London because, uh, you know, we're not we're not we have allies. We're not alone. And uh, these these two wars that we're in are pretty much any war that we've been in since World War One. Um, and those guys over there in England and then in Canada as well, they're they're facing the same issues that we do here in America. And so I kind of wanted to go over there and show them solidarity and, uh, run in Toronto to show the Canadian uh, forces solidarity. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the main reason because they have the same issues.
0: Yeah. Um, you started in uh, when you came to the states. You started in Philly and sort of went around the states uh, counterclockwise, if you will, and, and ended in in Washington D.C. Tell me, um, you know, it's eight hundred and twelve miles total, <laughs> which is which is just <laughs> nuts to think about uh, when you look at it from um, as a grand total in a month. I think I might, uh, I might walk that in a year No, Um, but it's, it's, <laughs> you know, that's a huge distance. Um, is there a benefit to doing it every day? Like I, I like, you know, to where your body doesn't, uh, get too cold. I mean, like how, how do you maintain, uh, how do you, how do you handle rest? How do you maintain, uh, you know, ma- making sure your muscles are, just tell about the training and the, um, just how, uh, how proactive you have to be about your body for the whole experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, keeping the body going is, was the, the utmost uh, of the utmost importance. And it was my main, uh, main priority. But I think, I mean, really the, the, the object of keeping my body going started a year and a half before our, my first marathon, when I started training, you know, I, I prepared my body uh, for those 18 months uh, so that it could withstand what I was going to do, um, and a lot of it was just about preventing uh, preventing my body from breaking down as much as I could. So I would put lubricant on hot spots on my on my stumps that I knew would tend to blister if I if I didn't lubricate them. Uh, I would make sure I swapped out my liners uh, when my le- or just take them off and dry my legs off when they when they started to get really sweaty. Uh, made sure I paste it so that uh i wouldn't be pushing myself to the point where my body wouldn't be able to recover uh and then besides that you know i just made sure i ate enough um it was pretty tough actually to eat all the food that i felt like i needed to eat uh so i had to cram it down sometimes i made sure i rested enough i uh, got, got enough sleep tried to get 9 hours a night and then when we you know except for london to philadelphia when we were traveling in between cities, I I would just be in the back of an RV, uh, laying down in bed. And then my mom would give me massages, uh, as you know, after every single marathon. So it was really just about prevention, uh, as much as I could. And then using these, uh, different techniques to recover.
0: what, uh, do you remember, uh, do you remember one of the days maybe being a little bit more difficult than the others where, uh, or you had to either push a little harder or be a little bit more careful with your body?
1: Um, yeah, there's a couple of times like down in Texas, we actually, I was pretty lucky with the weather for most of it, but, uh, it stayed pretty cool, but when we got to Texas it uh it, we hit got there in a heat wave and it was uh extremely humid in San Antonio and Houston. And it was hot and so those two both those things in conjunction really uh take it out of me a little bit more than than most people. Yeah, was hydration so those a challenge? Were, those were the two toughest.
0: Was that? Was hydration a challenge?
1: Hydration wasn't really a challenge just because I set it up so that I was never really all that far from, from my RV, my, my kind of my base of operations. So, you know, I could still, I could drink when I needed to, but it was just a matter of the heat just draining so much energy from me and, uh, just having to withstand that.
0: Did you have all of your routes planned before you started the month or were you sort of Doing it sort of like a cup a day or two out, you were you were figuring it out, or were you doing it on arrival? How how were you planning our routes?
1: No, we planned it out all ahead of time. So it was one of the more challenging things was the logistics and uh so I didn't I would just pick a pick a trail or a, a loop that I could do that was kind of you know, away from cars and everything. Uh and then we would we would have to find a place to park the R V oh, that was, that was close to that trail or close to that loop. So, you know, we'd have to call ahead of time and, you know, ask schools or fire departments or police departments and then retirement homes and places that would have room for the RV if we could park there and then do my thing. And I don't think we received more than, maybe we got like one or two no's, but that's it. And then, you know, all the other ones were, and if we contacted a police department, they would always pretty much give me a Basically, a running tour of the city and, and escort me all over the place. So, oh, okay, we were really lucky.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, to, to you know, maybe choose one of the more uh, unique experiences. But um, outside of the running, what was uh, what, what were some of your experiences?
1: Um, you know, every so every time, every time, to- every time I would come out of the RV in the morning, there would be you know, a group of people that had been waiting for me to come out that were that were going to be running with me. Um and, you know, I really appreciated that. I mean, it really meant a lot to me that people would see my mission and then, you know, deem it worthy of their time and their effort. And, you know, a lot of these people were coming out in the cold weather or rainy weather. Um and they'd be there every time. Um and then yeah, like the the support that I got from the communities, you know, uh, police departments and fire departments and that kind of thing, just walking me into their, to their area, their stations. Um, and then one of the cooler things that happened was I got to park my RV at, uh, the Baltimore Orioles stadium in Camden yards outside their stadium and Baltimore PD kind of, like I said, gave me a a running tour of the city and had just escorts around me all the, all day. And, uh, you know, the, chief or the commissioner came down and and uh said hi and everything and that was really cool
0: yeah that is cool on your um on your website on the on the mission page it says that you you're set out to to raise a million dollars for wounded veteran charities and uh according to the website you you've raised just over a hundred k um where where are you where are you sitting at now is that still the number or have you uh have you um done some more work
1: So my bike ride, we raised 125 and then, uh, with my month of marathons, we raised, uh, somewhere over 200. I kind of stopped keeping track, uh, after I finished, but it's, it'll be somewhere over 200, maybe 210. So what is that? 335,000 right now.
0: Okay. And like, what's, what's next, right? Like I, I imagine, um, I don't know if you experienced any sort of like a lull after the the month was over, or or maybe you were, uh, motivated, inspired to think of the next thing, but I I imagine you've put some thought into it.
1: I've been, yeah, thinking about it a little bit, but you know, there's three years in between my bike ride and my marathon challenge. And really what it is about, uh, for me is just finding something that first off, you know, interests me or something like my, kind of enjoy doing, uh, it's going to challenge me. Um, and then, you know, something that's going to be, uh, hard enough. Um, and then also be able to have the impact that I want it to have. So I think the month of marathons kind of was a little bit of a perfect storm for all those things where it was a really challenging endeavor and then I was running in big cities, so there was a lot of eyeballs I could get onto it so I could spread the message really, really well. Um, and then I kind of went all over the country and, 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 kind of you know went on tour almost. So, um, I'm not going to do something just to, just to do it. I'm going to have to really, you know, it's going to have to interest me and I'm going to have to believe in it. So it, you know, it kind of takes a long time to think of something that's, that fits all those criteria. Um, and right now I don't have anything off the top of my head. I haven't thought of anything yet, but it, you know, it might, it might, something might not even come up. So, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'll do anything after that, but right now I'm just, uh, you know, I'm doing speaking engagements, just trying to keep spreading my message. Um, I'm, i starting a, my own podcast where I'm just going to do like advice for people that write in, um, that want to ask me questions, uh, working on a, A fiction book, hopefully about, you know, veterans and, uh, maybe explain some of the things that I've been able to learn, uh, about my injury and how I dealt with it. Uh, so I'm working on a few projects just to keep, uh, spreading my mission.
0: Yeah. So you you mentioned you know it's got to have an impact, and I, I know you saw the the crowds of people that were waiting to run with you when you were when you got to each location. And uh, what's uh, what are other impacts that you saw um, while you're going while you're doing either either the bike ride or the marathon?
1: Well, I really do think that. I mean, I got a lot of emails from from veterans saying that they were really glad that I was doing what I was doing because uh, they felt that I was representing the veteran community, and. I really do think that I, I, at least, you know, some people, I, I helped them understand that, you know, what veterans or you know, what a wounded veteran is still capable of and, uh, and that we are capable of still of accomplishing great things. And, you know, for, I, I think I helped to show that for veterans and for civilians. Um, and I got it out there that, you know, we have to, we have to, share our stories and, uh, tell people our perspectives and, and kind of show everybody what's possible.
0: What's uh? what, give me a discipline or skill set that you, uh, you gained while you were in the military that is contributing to your success today.
1: Um, I think I joined the (laughs) one thing I got in the military and the, in the Marines was probably just the ability Um, the ability to endure things that you don't want to have to do. Um, and you know, a lot of the stuff you do in the military is not fun and it's not really generally something that you would choose to do if you had a choice. Um, but you get really good at dealing with, uh, just having to, to suffer through something that you don't want to have to do and then do something that's worth it. Uh, and will make you stronger. So I, I learned how to do that. And that, that came into play for, for when I, when I got hurt and it came into play for being able to endure the month of marathons. And then just on top of that, just, you know, being so mission oriented and that, uh, realize that the mission is the most important thing and that it's not over until you accomplish it. <sighs> Tell
0: me about a a veteran or a veteran organization that you're familiar with that has you excited about what they're doing right now.
1: Uh you know, all the all the organizations I was raised money for, the uh Coalition of Salute of America's Heroes, December Five Fund, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation um are all I mean, they all excite me. They're uh the coalition, they uh they give people they give uh, veterans uh emergency financial aid. Um and what I like about that is that they, give you kind of temporary help so that you can kind of get back on your feet and help yourself. Um, they're not going to do everything for you. And the Semper fly fund, they have, you know, programs, uh, to help rehabilitate people and uh, help them find what their new mission in life is going to be. And the tunnel to towers foundation, they build homes for, for wounded veterans. Cause a lot of us have, have trouble finding housing that is, uh, kind of built for, for our needs. And so they're all, um, all doing a great service.
0: Yeah. Rob, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for, thank you for joining me. Is there, is there any other part of your mission, what you got going on right now that you want to make sure the audience is aware of?
1: Um, no, I just, it's the new things I'm working on in my book and, uh, uh, you know, no release date or anything. I'm still just kind of working on it, but, uh, podcasts, people want to ask me questions. Yeah, email me at Rob Jones Journey. Rob journey at gmail.com. Email them to me. Uh I haven't released an episode or anything yet, but uh kind of working on it. It'll be coming out here soon. Have you recorded anything and, yet? Nope. Uh I no, uh, just I've just been I've still been like getting questions. Okay. And I'll probably be recording something soon.
0: Oh, and uh so so the, the questions can be about
1: Anything, anything, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Yeah, just uh, specific stuff, or you know, I've gotten questions that are kind of general, like you know, how do you stay positive, that kind of thing. But if you want to ask me, you know, what what should I do in this situation, that's fine too. Um, And I'll try and answer as many as I as many as I can. So um, I have a a good number of questions right now. I'm kind of trying to make it like an advice type of uh, type of thing, and it may evolve over time. But you know, right now it's just. Ask me a question and I'll answer it as, as well as I can.
0: I have a question for you right now, if you will. Uh if I'm right. if I'm in the grocery store and someone is, is is in front of something that I need, do I awkwardly stand behind them to make it clear that I need to get to that point, or do I act like I'm looking at something else until they're done?
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, are they actively uh picking an item? Yeah, they're, so they, they're, they're
0: looking, yeah, there. Yeah, well, they're clearly engaged in the same area, but are not being quick and decisive yet.
1: Uh, you know, I'd probably just—if you know exactly what you want—I'd probably just uh, reach in there, get it, and give them a courtesy. Excuse me. Okay, very well, Rob Jones. <laughs> Rob Jones will. <laughs> or if you, wanna conf- if you don't want to, if you don't want to confront people, just wait. <laughs> Nothing wrong with waiting. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, I, I imagine that you will, uh, you, are, you will, you uh, will field some more important and uh, profound questions uh, on your podcast. I look forward to hearing it. By the way, I, uh, I love. I, don't know. I think
1: that's something that everybody struggles with. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real life <laughs> stuff, right there, right. Rob, but yeah, Rob Jones Journey at Gmail dot com. Uh, that's a good way to contact me for anything, really. Yeah,
0: perfect, Rob. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service to our country, and thank you for your continued service to to veterans, raising money for charities and and uh, and motivating people through uh, your 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 activities, your challenges, your upcoming book podcast is great.
1: Well, it's an honor. It's an honor to do all those things, and I'm just lucky that I'm in a position I can do it. I served in Vietnam.
0: I served in Iraq.
1: No matter where you served or when, VA has
0: benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for,
1: visit www.va.gov.
0: Now, there, there at the end, Rob says that he hasn't, hasn't released anything yet. At the time of the recording, that was true, but Rob has indeed started his podcast. So uh, just search Rob Jones Podcast, and you'll be able to find it there. Uh, he just answers questions that people put in, and he, uh, he gives his honest answer. Pretty cool. Check it out. This week's Medal of Honor Citation reading is for Hugh Purvis. He was of the United States Marine Corps, rank of private, He was on the USS Alaska during the Korean campaign year of honor is 1871. Citation reads on board the USS Alaska during the attack on and capture of the Korean forts. 11 June 1871. Braving the enemy fire. Purvis was first to scale the walls of the fort and capture the flag of the Korean forces. We honor his service. That wraps up episode 95, closing in on episode 100. Super excited to hit that milestone. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at DEPTVetAffairs for more stories and images from our community, as well as Facebook.com slash Veterans Affairs. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We'll be back next week. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.